Hey, 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 mic test, mic test. I can't do it without blue and red, boss. Okay. Check, check, check. Ooh, that's hot. All right. Say something into the mic there, little boy. All right, I'm talking. This is me leaning back in my chair, just chit chatting. I'm just leaving a copy of Regret. The last draft. Uh, that looks it's like the Woody good. Guthrie version. Love <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> episode of the Pitcast. Um, it's me, Carter. I'm joined by fellow old school luminaries, Matthew Moss. Howdy. And uh, Lorian Element, back on the cast. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. For for, for joining us. We're, um, we're trying to just squeeze out content before the old school players ball. I think everyone in the club is really feeling the excitement. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you guys. I got people sleeping on my couch. Yeah. For the for some of the days following up. In fact, it kind of seems like this year, um, I'm trying to take a concerned effort in being a host, and I want people who are coming into town. You know, it's hard to do this on a like a larger scale. We've kind of talked about this, where it's like there's the old school tournament, and then there's what happens after it, and maybe yeah. even the day before. And it's and it's and it's hard to get. I mean, we're already you know hosting space for like a hundred people yeah then like the usually the the subsequent activities that happen it's people splintering off into into groups yeah. it's hard to get that much space in the city so i'm trying to um i'm just trying to like reach out to to people as they come in and and like fr friends who i know you know and you know i want to take some people up to the up to the north side i want to take some some of the nashville guys Record shopping, if they're around, it, I, you know, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, of time where are we going for that? Where are we going for that? Okay, so I want to go. I want to start. So pretty much, there's there's a there's a diagonal street in Chicago called Milwaukee Avenue, and if you start a little bit south, like on the corner of Milwaukee and Division, record collectors down there, right? There's um, is is there an actual shop called Record Collectors? What's the one I'm thinking of? I think Reckless you, Records. Re, so, so, Reckless, so Reckless, Records, yeah. Reckless is a little bit north, but you start at um fucking, oh my god, how am I how am I forgetting about it? Um, uh, Dusty Groove. Yes, I've been there. That's down by Bob's place. D yes, it's right by Bob's. So you start so you start at Dusty Groove, and and so because that's got like your like your R and B and Motown yeah. and jazz, and then as you're going up Milwaukee, you get to Sugar Records. Which is like okay, local bands and like garage rock and punk and stuff like that. Okay. And then on the other side of the street, you get to Reckless, which yeah. is just warehouse style. Absolute warehouse style. You find like you, you like you're you're just gonna find your favorite album. 
Yeah. You know, like it's it's a it's a very complete collection. And Reckless is like I I can't go into Reckless without spending a hundred dollars. Jesus. Just because it's like it's like they have all of your favorite. Yes. Are they shit. are they well priced? I mean. Yeah, but you buy like five, six <laughs> records. Yeah, you know, stack. Yeah, right. It's it it is. It's like it's like they have absolutely everything, or they like tempt you with one of those like limited record store day releases of like an album that I like I don't buy into those literally because it's such a gimmick. It's just some but they're so release on, and I like colored wax, so that's usually what gets me. Right, the colored wax. It's the colors. It's just like some album I already have two copies of. Re-released on a different color of wax. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can. I don't know. So, sometimes I'm a sucker for it, but uh, like, especially when it's a, like alternate album art or something like that. Oh yeah. my god, mm-hmm. I've been there. Hook, line, and sinker. I mean, you can't do it every time, but like, there's, there's some records, and I'm just like casting an eye toward my, toward my own record collection. We're recording from my apartment, and um, there's, there's some where I've, I've sprung, and I, I haven't really regretted it man yeah having having the occasional it's 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 i don't know it's it's like a magic collection like oh yeah everyone has like that beta card that's signed altered by by the artist it's like foil alpha crimped foil alpha <laughs> clearly clearly marked in yeah. jaco's case yeah but like i don't know if i feel like if the whole collection looks like that it's a little it's a little gaudy yeah. but no i know exactly I know. You, you spring for those things so yeah i think like just just heading straight up milwaukee we're gonna hit like I have was a wax cast. <laughs> Welcome to the division of the pit cast. The MTG MTG wax cast. Um, yeah, and just and just uh, playing playing host to people leading up toward the tournament. It sometimes it sometimes feels like when I when I think about magic tournaments, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Just like what what to expect when you go to one. But I've been to we we we've, we've been to a lot. And sometimes it's the anticipation leading up to the thing that's more pleasurable than the actual event itself. Than the gaming. The the actual gaming sometimes can be a little banal. Sure. You know? Yeah, you can have a bad day. Right. You can have, like, bad matchups, so the actual gameplay isn't great. You yeah. can have bad uh, opponents, opponents who act like jerks, which is I, less common at old-school events, sure. but can still yeah. happen for sure. And, and and I'd, a bad I'd day. like to add one more to that, which is you run into... Play people you play all the time, anyway. Yeah. Oh, the worst! <laughs> That's the worst when you get matched against your bro in the first yeah. round. And that, you that play. happens a lot for lords because we're just such a big group. We play each other yeah. all the time, and and the chances of us getting paired up with one another is pretty high. Yeah. Cam and Carter and I road trip down to Nashville, and we all played each other. Well, yeah. So, you know, so that's an extreme example. Right. Like one or two. Yeah, you're all you're likely to hit one or two other lords. But like that was just kind of like damn. I could have just played these guys at the hotel. Right? I know. It's, <laughs> or just at my house. <laughs> it's it's always the worst. And you're always. I, I remember like I feel like our match in Nashville. Like we both were in such a hurry to get it over with. <laughs> like neither of us wanted to, yeah. to be there because it's just like. Uh, who cares? Just, and we were both on the way down. <laughs> we both, we both, yeah, I know. Neither of us were like is playing it, for stakes, so it's just a no, pure is it like blood match. For both to be paired down. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what happened. There. Right. Right. <laughs> so like. Um, yeah, so a lot of what happens at a tournament is like, I don't know, there's, 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 there's a lot of like rigmarole there. So, so getting yourself gassed up, like, um, I, I can recall when I think about last year's players ball, the memories that are like the most crystallized in my mind are eating breakfast at the Belmont snack shop Mm, with you and Dom right before the tournament. 
that 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 to me is like the most memorable part of of the whole day and that's like pretty much where anticipation for the thing has reached that yeah. that fever pitch yeah and then once you go over that ledge now you just play like eight rounds of magic and it's a long day and you know hey i don't i mean i don't want to discount all the hard work that the that the tournament organizers you know put in etc but as as an attendee like if you can give yourself a couple days uh prior to the event to immerse yourself in the city get to know some of your hosts a little bit better because i think a, a good part of representing your club is is being being gracious and, and taking people around i mean like i remember when alan received us in nashville at his house with yeah, food yeah. i mean it's it like those are just by far the most yeah. the most memorable moments mm -hmm. of that the, that sequence of events. I had to burn my bed after Cam slept in it two nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, hey, there was plenty. There was plenty of space on mine. Yeah, yeah. But you two insisted on cozying up to each other, no, watching unsolved mysteries. Own, no, this is the one that I own, not the one at the hotel. <laughs> oh, not not the not the hotel bed, but the but the guest bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cam Cam decided not to stay with me because my dog was flipping out all the time. Um, anyway, to get on to our regularly scheduled programming, we've uh, been continuing uh, our series of middle school events, middle school marauders. I was not able to attend, got a hustle, got to make money at the restaurant on Saturdays, but YouTube bozos, uh, YouTube bozos showed up. We did. Any, any, any illuminations to be granted on the, on the, on the format? Uh, this one was pretty small. It was a last minute marauders event, so there were 12... Uh, opponents. The metagame was super diverse. There was uh, one monster on standstill. There was another monster on Psychotog. Okay. Uh, but besides that, there were some creative decks. The two decks that won most creative, uh, one was Wizard's Tribal. Um, I'm not sure what the colors were. I know it was blue, red, maybe a third was that color. David? David. That was dated, yeah. David, David literally David always brings insane, insane decks. Yep, He's yep. like... Um, did, did he play at the Players Ball last year, or is he that recent of an addition uh, to like the, the Lord's Circle? I, I have no idea. Honestly. Anyway, yeah, he he and he and Ian Blank are two just in, insanely excellent new additions to the to the club. They just like they just like totally get it. Like they're always like always brewing something, and like Ian, I feel like will like definitely pick up some fucking defeats, but he's just not swayed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people, they like get powered out or they like lose like, That's you know, a handful of games and they say, okay, well, I can't wait until I get my hands on like Ancestral Recall. He's like, no, my Arborea deck can be better. <laughs> I know, I know it can. I will improve on it. It's yeah. just so fucking admirable. Yeah, he was playing uh, Black Green Pox. Uh, mm -hmm. Second most creative was uh, a Trade Wind Riders Armageddon Opposition deck. Um, ran by Stephen Croissant. Sounds delicious. Croissant. Croissant. <laughs> Opposition is tap a permanent to tap a permanent? Tap a creature, I tap think. Tap a creature to tap a permanent. Oh, tap a permanent. Tap a permanent. You know, tap this enchantment. <laughs> My entire deck is an icy manipulator. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Come on, man. I sound like one of the designers at WOTC right now. Yeah. Cranking out bullshit cards yeah. like that. Like, uh, whatever. Two yeah, mana. For one mana. Yeah. With zero drop. Yeah, just go ahead. <laughs> it, yeah, it just costs fifty dollars from the from the wizard store. Yeah, the metagame was super diverse. There was no there were no two people playing the same deck. There were no goblins. Uh, there was somebody on Sly. 
that's been the that's been the kind of aggressive deck that's been that's been creeping up in in people's esteem. It's kind of the new uh, boogeyman, yeah. Yeah, sure. it, it yeah it kind of is. Um, the Sulfuric Vortex is a terrifying card. What's that do? Enchantment for one red red deals two damage every upkeep, and players can't gain life. Oh. So it's this inevitability engine yeah. coupled with like kind of a hoser for the cards that beat the deck. Mm. Pretty pretty scary. Mm. It's funny how red is just scrambling for a creature that is Savannah Lions. They're just like, oh god, I'll play this. I'll play this awful Savannah Lions with downside because that's how bad the the deck wants it. It kind of reminds me of uh, in old school how you look at like red's suite of creatures, cool. and you're just dying for like a decent two drop. Yeah, and I think um, I think the card that. Uh, I think Jimmy Cooney above Dwarven all Warriors. others. Dwarven Warrior, yeah. two ma just two mana, two one. Yeah. And well, and of course, the highly relevant. If it gets blocked by orcs, it gets plus zero, plus two. Which of course is just you know great. It's a freebie. Do you, what do you think happens more often? That getting a bonus to toughness or a Sengir Vampire getting a counter? I don't think a Sengir Vampire has <laughs> ever gotten a counter in the history of Magic. Uh. It's pretty much just flavor text. Yeah. It's never fucking happened. Yeah. Right? Because you don't block it. You just take your four to the head. No, like the second just gets swords. It doesn't four to that too. It doesn't yeah. matter. Or I, I've, been, I've been staring at, we'll get to this later, but I've been staring down many Singer Vampires over the last few days. Oh, I'm yeah. battling the Colonel. Oh, man. Coming out of the woodwork, man. Oh, yeah. he's he, he totally gets juiced up around around this event <laughs> yeah. in particular. I, like, you can just tell. He's I've like, seen a lot of Singer Vampires. Right. He's fired four up. Five days. But, right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So, um, you said the, the, the winner of the event was won by Standstill, which just remains this, this dominant. He who shall not be named. Yeah. Little. Fucking Greg <laughs> showing up. Can't believe you guys let Greg win. Unholy. It's pretty much the worst. I can't imagine a less gracious winner. So I, I came yeah, very close to beating him. We had we had three pretty close games, and uh, one of them, I think he mulliganed, and I duressed him, and I think I took his like counterspell, or maybe it was standstill. So he just had lands, right? You were on mono black, right? I was on mono black, okay. yeah. It's like... Um, Here's a sick deck. It's like Suicide Black... Uh, that has Necro in it, and then it's got this weird storm top end with tendrils in order to power out more cards from, from Necro. Yeah, it's amazing because you've kind of added this element to the deck that it lacked, which was which is reach. Mm -hmm. Like when I played uh, like Necro in, in 95, sometimes you know, like a moat or something would just stop all of your weenies and you didn't have a way of like getting through those last points of damage yeah. that you that you were trying to push through. And um, so there's uh, Priest of Gix. I've taken that card out. I'm thinking about putting it back in, but okay. it's the, the spots on that deck, the, the slots are really tight. And so I ended up cutting Priest of Gix for, um, I think it's called Diabolic Intent. It's the same cost as Demonic Tutor and has the same effect, but you also have to sacrifice a creature. So being able to get mm -hmm. your Necro, being able to get your Tendrils, I found is pretty, is more powerful than Getting the storm count of Priest of Gates. It's a it's a sick card. I just don't have room for it in right. my current build. Right. So so your point is is that your your tendrils doesn't really need to be more than four damage gain four life it's, for it to be a pretty impactful card. I try to make it six six life. Yeah. Six, yeah. I, I I will shoot it off for four or even two if I'm desperate. But I'm trying to get six life. Yeah. Which oftentimes uh, is what I get, and sometimes I can get. There's some like. 
there's some combo-y stuff. If I get the right series of cards, which Diabolic Intent helps with that, then I can get uh, 8, 10. Usually if I'm doing more than that, it's because I'm casting two tendrils on the same turn. So I'll like one tendrils for six and then another tendrils for eight, so 14 life. Point is, is that it's like a kind of a low cost to put the card into into your deck. It doesn't it doesn't need to be the tendrils of agony that we all know from traditional storm decks. Mm-hmm. It's um, there's there's a high upside right. certainly where you can do ten damage in, in an aggressive creature deck with you know one card, which is absurd. Um, or like you know, g- gaining four life draws you four cards of necro. I mean that's yeah. also exactly like, yeah. excellent. Yeah, the only downside is just like if in my opening hand, if I have two tendrils, I'm like this. It's pretty much a mulligan hand, right? Uh, just because they don't really do anything until probably turn five or six. You know what? Necrojacks also strike me as like a pretty big gainer from the new mulligan rule. That was that was something yeah. that I that I thought of when people were testing it out. I was thinking about '95 and, and middle school and just what an impactful card Necro is when it comes to you know recouping lost cards yeah yeah there's some really good in mono black there are lots of good cards that you can decide you're going to mulligan into like if you just have an opening hand of just some shitters that you don't care about that much you can mulligan you'd be like all right i'm going to mulligan on my mulligan i'll probably get a duress mm-hmm. or a him to torak or a necro yeah like those are all really powerful cards that can just change the game pretty quickly so right yeah it's a i, I think the london mulligan has been good to that deck sure. that's really sweet yeah it's 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 a really creative idea it's like taking a card that like people are certainly familiar with and using it in a in a less conventional way not needing to like you know use it as your sole win condition but you know this kind of you know double triple lightning bolt that also draws you cards with necro play because Life gain and necro really go hand in hand. Like it can't be that can't be understated enough. So that cards like Zurin Orb or Ivory Tower, we all know throughout yeah. history to be to be good. But there's a lot, you know, in, incidental life gain also pretty darn powerful if you can incorporate it into the deck. And now that you don't have any more creative deck equity to be gained with slivers, yeah, I know. Surely, I'm just out. I'm on the outside. I did. Surely, I'll share I'll same, briefly. Yeah. I won't get into the sliver tech too much because we've covered that. But I will share a brief balling that I delivered to uh, Jacob's Psychotog. Yeah. He's playing Esper Psychotog, and I dropped the my new tech in the slivers deck was Root Sliver, which is uncounterable. Slivers cannot be countered. For is it two or three? I think it's four. I think it's four three and a green for a two-two. Three, three, so it's three, two, shitty. But uh, I, so I was able to, obviously I could resolve that guy. And then the next turn played my um, Shrouded Sliver. Oh, and then right. from there it was just, and I had the survival engine going. So I was able, I think that was in game three too. So I was able to just, or no, that was in game two. I balled him in two. Oh, um, get fucking treated. And uh, just took care of business. The nice piece, I don't know if he runs that shadow. What's the shadow card that you shadow play in Psychotog? Shadow Rift, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he had that. Um, but what? I had the regeneration sliver to just infinitely block his psychotog too. If I uh, well, was he playing cutting wish? I don't know. He never got that far. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Because it was, like I think I just bum rushed him in game one, and then in two, once I got the uncounterable and the shroud online, it ended pretty quickly thereafter. Yeah, it was just I cast a dude every turn, and mm-hmm. he can't do anything about it at that point. That's gross, man. That's real gross. Yeah. That's it. But I think I'm going to retire that deck. I got to brew up something else. 
it finished a, a, a nice 11 and 11 in match play in the <laughs> last four Marauders events. I so, you feel like you couldn't ask for more. No, I was hoping for the 12. I mean, it could have been 12 and 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. But yeah, it's all right. Yeah, so I almost, I almost knocked uh, Greg off the throne. But he. Uh, but long story short, on two consecutive turns, he four-spiked uh, my Necro. Oh, yeah. Twice in a row. Well, he is extremely lucky, and Greg definitely strikes me as someone who spends a lot of time on the throne of Bone. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, Say no more. To, to kind of to piggyback on uh, on your Sengir Vampire reference, I just thought I thought it would be fun to share some stories of uh, testing for the testing oh, yeah. for the ball. If we've yeah. like kind of settled, I've, I've like a hundred percent settled on on my decks, and we've gotten. Yeah. Some pretty sizable lords meetups. Yeah. I mean, every everyone is excited. Six, for, eight, ten guys. Yeah, the top. yeah. absolutely. Um, for the past for the past couple weeks, I'd say uh, a lot of stewing and brewing. Yeah. So um, yeah, tell us tell us more about your battles against the mighty Sanders and his chains of Mephistopheles. Oh my God! So the first time he cast chains, I just forgot about it. Like it's I, a tough card to keep track. No, of. I literally forgot it was even out. We oh. were at Hopewell, and you know you're talking, and there's bullshit going on on all sides, and like Greg showed up and was barking at me, and uh, probably trying to sell you a pair of like cheap Italian boots or something. Yeah, some bullshit. And uh, I just like wheeled, <laughs> like or and then he was like, "Yo, man!" And my, yeah, I forget what it, it might have been. Time twister. I think it was wheel, and he's like, "All right, discard your." Like we just discard our hands. And I'm like, all right, I'll just scoop. Like I just forgot it was out and got yeah. smashed by that. It card. is like that. Yeah, right. You're in like a grindy game and you top deck ancestral and you're like, fuck yeah. I'll share a cool story. So I actually went down to the south side to play with Sanders on Saturday. And we had a Lords meetup on Sunday, but I even have been fired up enough that I just drove down there and played him mano a mano. Really? On, oh, yeah, that's great. Down at uh, Maria's on Saturday Love afternoon. That place. And uh, he had chains out, but I was ahead on board. I had like one or two monsters out, like we'll say an Ernie and a Pixie or something. Uh -huh. And uh, he put the chains out and he was ahead of me on cards. And I, I don't know the ratio, like maybe five to two or something for hand size. And he had the chains out and I just wheeled. So that way we could just dump our hands, uh, mill seven. And, you know, he had nothing left in his hand to deal with my threats. And I beat him down with the dudes. Oh, nice. So, like, you... So since, I was able to turn it against him. Right. Since the effect is symmetrical, it's actually like a, a double mind twist for, Kinda, yeah. for both And players. when he's ahead of you on cards, why not? Sure. And you're ahead of him on board. If you're ahead so on board. Two for five is great. Yeah. yeah that's I, sweet. I don't know if it was exactly two for five, but he was he was a, a couple cards ahead. And, yeah. I, and I was a couple creatures ahead. So that was kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. Like, maybe, like, they're... Definitely could be a point where you're playing with Chains of Mephistopheles and you top deck that Ancestral and like Ancestral and your opponent, you know, may, you know, maybe there's a, a little maybe there's case. a point where yeah, that's, a that's case, the right play. But, yeah. Um, he was also playing Arena, which I lent him. The Land. It's one of the book Harper Collins book promo cards. Oh, so he's dead set on getting a counter on Sankir. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, hmm. so he, you know what that does, Lauren? Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes him fight. Makes right? him fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he plays Arena and he plays. Um, what do you play? Jizim Jin. I was playing my, I was testing my big red mono red deck and I had Shivan Dragon out and I kind of just, you know, I wasn't sure what his, his game plan was. So he attacks with Jizim. I don't block for the Shivan thinking I can just get him on the crackback, but then he acts, so he deals five to me. Then he activates the damn arena, puts 
uh, Juzam and Shivan in there, and it's two five five. So then they kill each other. Oh, that's they so bounce cool. off each other, and so he was able to use that as a little bit of removal. Right, it's like giving him giving him uh, reach or, t- or turning your Juzam into a removal spell, which is pretty awesome. It's like yeah. turning every card into tracker. Yes, which obviously <laughs> right. is near and dear to my heart. I need a, I need a copy of that card. But it's a pretty sick innovation. I. I don't, know about, I don't know if I want to give him credit using the word innovation, but a pretty cool play. Uh, you know, non-standard play. Can it tap for mana? No. Okay. No, it's just a dead, dead land. It's like a. It's like a. You could think it was like a zero-cost artifact that has an activated. Ability. Yeah, it would take an artifact slot, right? Yeah. You wouldn't use it as a land slot. Yeah. Right. Or like a maze event that encourages you to play with creatures. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, if you're playing big, yeah, you know, if you're playing fatties, it seems like not a bad card. Yeah. And I was so that other deck I was trade uh, testing. Uh, so I tested Big Red. That that deck is fun, and I'll share a quick story. Put a pin in it. I'll come back to a story from that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's pretty timely, actually. You mean it wouldn't be about a certain card that's really good it's against a the certain, mono red deck? Certain notorious, <laughs> the notorious CRP. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and I'll share that in a moment. But yeah, so I tested that. That deck's fun, but it's just, it's too wonky. So I, I went back to, uh, you know, an Arabians-themed monsters deck just with tons of sweet dudes. and Right. Yeah, and no fear, right? Because if you play, if you fear sitting in a bottle, it's not a fun deck. If you get balled by it, you just move on to the next game. Honestly, man, I, I'm i playing a like an artifact-based deck with uh, Demonic Tutor and two Transmute Artifacts. And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to not play City of Bottle. I played it last year, and it made for some really unfun games. Yeah, you just get it out early, and they have like really, really unfun games. I, I think I played it. I played against a lot of rug and blue red yeah. last year, and obviously serves them right. Yeah. Well, are... if you're spiking, if you're spiking, it's good to have. If you're just kind of in the middle range, having a good time, showing people a good time bracket, it's just really unfun to play against. And my philosophy on this tournament is like, I want. I want the experience of playing against me to be like enjoyable. You know, with, like with, like I like I want to win in a cool way, and if I lose, I want to be gracious. So I don't know. I don't want. So I'm not gonna play Stasis. It sucks. I mean, I could always audible to Stasis. Less but I'm also not. I'm also not gonna play City Ball because it's just kind of a feel bad, and so I'm gonna. I'm gonna it's leave it. Sporting. I'm gonna leave it out. It's not very sporting. So I think so. I think I might board mine twist and leave out sitting in the box. Yeah. Just to I don't know, give them a fighting chance. You know? Yeah. When are you gonna board in mine twist? Well, when it's control. It's a it's a vibe thing, you know. Yeah. As for yeah, someone who just needs to be shown a lesson. <laughs> so, so, some people, you know, maybe on your neck. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe they're you know. Feeling kind of, you know, a little, a little cocky. Get a little or, horsey, and or if I see a serendip, yeah, you get mine twisted <laughs> for sure. Well, wait, what? Why not run uh, city in a bottle? You just want to crush serendips all day. I guess so. I guess so. But that's just like I don't know. The the city, the city in a bottle is just there's absolutely no hope, and, and the mind twist there's like a little there's a, like a little back and forth play with it. 
play Shatter. They can play Disenchant. They can play Crumble. Yeah. That's Shit. That's I guess you're talking me plan. into it. Hey, Moss, can I borrow a <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to let those out. I'll keep them under lock and key. Yeah. Those are going to be in a fucking bank vault. Yeah. Little Greg was trying to borrow them off me. And I'm like, well, if I lend them to you, I need a written agreement that you won't play that them. That you don't play them against me. We hate each other. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to end up consummating that deal. Right. I think there, honestly, I think there's going to be enough City in the Bottles running around that the people who are playing Serendibs will receive their comeuppance. But but yeah. it won't be but it won't That's be a, my hand. God bless them. Yeah. So I'll I'll get back to the the story from testing here real right. quick. So I this was when I again was testing uh, big red mono red, and uh, I was playing against our boy uh, Slack on on webcam. He lives obviously down in the swamps in Florida. Um, but coming up for the but he's coming for the, up for yeah. the players ball. So yeah, yeah. he he like among other people yeah. he's just getting just fucking getting jazzed up, up. Yep. and he's on the deck because he's just that kind of man. Well, he's he's been our he was our Chicago resident the deck player. Yeah. You know, yeah. And honestly, if you're as nice as Matt Slack, you it can takes play a little the deck. sting out of it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's like he's he's just too nice. I don't you know. It's, so it's all good. Um, I beat him, you know, pretty handily actually in the first couple of games. Then we board; it gets a little bit more interesting, um, and it gets really interesting because I, I bring in. So I have four blue blasts and four forks after the board. So like everything oh, he's boy. trying to do, it could blow up in a space. Uh, I four forks. I forked to DT. I think I forked to mind twist. That might have actually been Sanders. Somebody got a fork to mind twist. And by blue blast, do do you mean red blast? Or uh, yeah, red blast. Forks? Yeah, I okay. brought in red blast. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, to blow up blue. That's what I meant. Gotcha. Um, have you ever forked anything and then red blasted it? That's yeah. That's a perfect lead in. So <laughs> he de- So he's on seven life. This is like game five or whatever. We played for an hour. Um, and and what and just to set the set the stage, what else is in this mono red deck generally? Is it like um, an aggressive so it gauntlet? Yeah, no, no. So it, it plays um, the mana vaults to ramp into gauntlet of might to play big monsters like Shivan Dragon, two headed giant of four eyes, Yedwin of Free, like just cool ass stuff. Yeah, this I, is like a mid rangey yeah. spell based. I use, gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Roar would be proud of it. Four fireballs. I use Orgish Pure artillery, magic. and it's not good at all. Uh, but I like it anyways, so it's in there. Fucking yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, get back to the story. So uh, Slack is on seven life. We're pretty deep into the game here. I've got a pretty good sized hand, good mana base. You know, I'm playing. You know, slowly burning him down a little bit. He's, like I said, he's at seven life. He uh, DTs. It resolves. I could have forked that. I did not. So that resolves. Uh, he forks for COP red. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, he casts the COP red out of the deck. Yeah. Um, oh shit! I'm brain farting. Here. Oh yeah, yeah. So he casts COP red. Okay, two with COP red, yeah. yeah. Um, with COP red on the stack, I lightning bolt him. So he so he goes from seven to four. Seven to four. Gotcha. Then I fork the lightning bolt. Okay. Then he blue blasts the fork. Then I red blast the blue blast. Oh, he should blue blast the lightning bolt there because we counter both spells. But I had the yeah. That's true. Because the fork can't retarget. Yeah. Um, well, he got bald anyways. So then, <laughs> so then I red blast the blue blast. Okay. Then I fork the lightning bolt again. Oh! oh. So we'll see red on the no. stack. And I think he only had one on the side. Let's see if we read it. A, a lightning bolt gets forked twice in response to the cop yes. red. So we took nine and got Get bolt. killed! Yeah. So I don't think he's going to see too many four forks at the ball, but... That was a sick tech. There. Oh man, fork must be such a satisfying card to play. I've, never, I've, I've never played. It I mean, before. you just sit there, 
But it's hoping, such a taunt. It's such hoping. a taunt, though, because you just leave that devil ready. Like, go ahead. What do you think you're going to do? And with Gauntlet, it's just one mountain. That's true. And it's just like, all right, big man, what are you going to do? Take an extra turn? Do no. it, little man. Yeah, you're going to draw three. So Go ahead, I, do it. Yeah, do it. So it's a lot of fun. It's pretty janky, though. But um, you're not uh, you're not totally sold on it for the for the ball? No, I've got I had to play blue, man. I had to play blue cards. Not the blue cards. Yeah, no. Got to show off a little bit. Oh, yeah. Smoke them if you got them. Yeah. So. Uh, it was a fun test, but it's pretty janky. Uh, Lauren, you see, you said you had a good story about a uh, preacher during testing? Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. So I was playing uh, against little Greg. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Always the heel. Yeah, he is. It was, it's, a, it's a fun... I, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to give away too much about his deck. Uh, but basically, he was, he was at least trying out some preachers. Uh, and I was playing preachers, and we ended up with a board state of uh, three preachers on my side, a preacher, and uh, wait, no. So I had I had already preachered two of his Sarahs, so I had one open preacher, and he plays preacher Sarah. Okay. So there's this insane state of like, what happens when you try to preacher my preacher and I preacher your preacher at the same time? It was kind of irrelevant because I just bolted his one remaining. <laughs> his one remaining. Oh, oh, none of it mattered. I just removed all of his creatures. It was an Tap insane board state. Like it, it, it could be pretty confusing. Like with a few preachers out trying to figure out which one you can give and how it resolves and like it resolves in a really weird way, right? Yeah, it's super strange. So as near as I can tell, I mean, like I would love to pick the brain of like a god tier judge. Yeah. But as near as I can tell, the way the confusing part about it is that you. Choose a player besides yourself to choose the target of Preacher. And I think a lot of people think that that, that choosing goes onto the stack. Uh, but it actually, as far as I know, it's actually instant. So if, I'm, if I've got a Preacher and I'm playing against Matt, and I tap it, the targeting works just like any other targeting, any activated cast targeting, which means it's targeted immediately and you don't have time to activate your Mistress Factory to give them that. So. Even, That's what it came up with us. Yeah, exactly. So so the, the long and short of it is when Preacher taps, it is the target is chosen immediately. The only difference is that instead of me choosing the target, uh, Matt would choose the target. So you wow. can, yeah. Interesting. It kind of like um Abyss works a certain way like that, right? Where, Abyss is the same way because they choose the like your opponent chooses the target or I guess it goes back and forth, right? You would have to kill your own creatures if you had the abyss out. Isn't it um, symmetrical creature. like that? Yeah. No, it's destroyed. It's destroyed. Oh, okay. It's destroyed. So it's 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 a, it's a and that and that's why it does work differently because it's a it, it's a it's a targeted destroy effect mm. yes. that immediately goes onto the stack. So that, like once right. abyss is on the stack, once the uh, abyss ability is on the stack, the target is chosen already. Mm. There's right. no there's no because because there's no separate window where where that could happen. Right. right. There's it's not like. Two triggers where one is the sacrifice and the other is the is the target. That's not how these things work. So once something is on the stack, which happens right when the card is tapped, uh, or right when right well, when the upkeep happens. Yeah, it's it's an at the beginning of the upkeep trigger, which means that it goes on the stack the turn before any player can gets priority or can play anything. Yeah. Right. So if it, if it goes to your turn, it's immediately on the stack. You have a chance to respond to it. Like if you had some way to give your creature protection at instant speed. You could target a creature and then give it protection. It actually mm -hmm. works the same way with Preacher, because Preacher does target. So if you have some way to say, to protect your creature, then the Preacher 
uh, activation or the abyss trigger will fizzle. So you could, if you have to five one creature out, you preacher, I could put my creature into the coffin. And yeah, then sure. I, and then you, so then I have Precisely. nothing to give you, and your dude is tapped. Yes, but but before you, before you even tap your or before you even do anything with your coffin, you have to choose that creature as a target. Right, because it goes on the stack, and when it's on the stack, you have to choose target. But you can respond to it. You can put it in the. Coffin but yes, there. you can do exactly that. You can you can you know if you have a if you have a Sarah Angel, a Singer Vampire, and a Tanos's coffin in play. Lorian taps the taps the preacher. The activated ability goes onto the stack. When that happens, you're you're choosing a target for preacher's ability, choosing choosing angel. So right now there's a triggered ability on the stack, targeting um, or the act, activated ability on the stack. Excuse me, of preacher targeting your Sarah, and of course you always get a chance to result to respond to any any activated ability or trigger. So then you activate your coffin, targeting your Sarah. The ability, ability fizzles because there's no legal. So then, why am I not able to activate with when I have one creature, say an Ernia? Why am I not able to activate my factory and give that to you instead of the Ernie? Because, because it, it go, well, the ability goes onto the stack, and you have to choose it right then. You have to choose um, the target. It must right be then. targeting something. Yeah, yeah. By the when when the ability goes onto the stack. But like, let's say you had three creatures. I tap preacher, and you choose the Sarah as the target, and then you coffin it away. Uh-huh. The ability fizzles. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I, I get it. Now. Yeah, I get it. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that was one hundred one. That was a two hundred one lesson right there. Yeah. Right. And so the abyss kind of works a similar way. If if the abyss is out and I've got a white knight, there's no, and I only have a white knight out. There's no legal target. Oh. So I get to keep my white knight because it cannot be targeted by the abyss because yeah. that's protection for yeah. white. Yeah. While we're going deep into um into rulings, actually, I discovered by playing my deck. A time when holding priority is extremely relevant. Hmm. And this involves activating Ring of Maroof. Uh-huh. So in my deck, I use Sage of Latinam and Ring of Maroof as win conditions with Power Monolith. Yeah. Um, because the Sage, because uh, you can activate the Ring and uh, use the Sage to, you know, instead of drawing a card off the top of your deck. So you can draw a uh, fireball from your sideboard and, and kill your opponent. So um, when I was when I was thinking about this, I realized that if I activate the ring, then activate the sage, or if I activate the ring and my opponent bolts the sage in response, then the sage ability can, will go onto the stack above the ring, and I'll draw a card off my deck before the ring yeah. ability resolves. So in order to do the sequence properly. I have to activate the Sage's ability and then hold priority, activate the ring, so that the ring ability goes above the Sage and our, my opponent could not um, could not disrupt it in that in that way. But they could respond to you acti- tapping the um, the Sage by disenchanting your ring. They right or shattering whatever. Well, I could um, I could feasibly I would have the the requisite mana to. Activate the ring, so I would merely activate the ring in, in response, response to the to the discipline. Yeah, that's just down the stack, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, just just kind of like a weird corner case that that came up during the player's ball testing. That's neat. Yeah, I, I'm really surprised. I can't. I really wish I would have written this down, but there was some uh, the way that a card worked was different than I understood like the whole time that I had been playing old school, and that to me is one of the most interesting things. Like back in the day. When I really got into magic, I like read through the rule book because I was that into. I just like knowing the intricacies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And like old school, the the issue is these you know new cars. Uh, old school, a lot of old school players don't like them, but they're worded really clearly to fit oh, into yeah. the existing rules. Yeah. But so many old school cards are worded so strangely, and they're like these one of a kind abilities that would never be reprinted because they're way too complicated. Yeah. And like there is that still like you can still squeeze a little bit of juice out of old school by these weird rules interactions yeah. that you will never run into in any other format of the game. It is, it's it's kind of something that you can take uh, pleasure from because they're so obscure. Yeah. Like like how Preacher works for for instance. And I think I think it behooves like like every old school player to have a pretty firm understanding of of the rules. Well, it's, yeah, and it's up to the, and we'll segue a little bit, of, or we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's also up to the, if you're playing a really obscure card, it's up to you to know what the hell you're doing with it, too. Yeah, definitely. And not try definitely. to angle shoot out for that little extra. Right. Or even, or even, right, or even, yeah, even, like, not by, like, not doing it on purpose. Like, Ch Chains of Mephistopheles, for instance, like, actually, S Sanders played it right, and I got it wrong, because I thought the I thought the card applied. I thought you got the first draw per turn for free. It's only your draw set that you get for free. Right. So I thought if I drew with Sage off turn, yeah, I would get yeah. I, would, like I would get the card or 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 library during his turn, oh, yeah. because it, it would only. But that's not the case. The only card that you get for free is your draw step card. Yeah. Well, you need that flow chart. Decision tree. Oh, with the with the uh, yeah. With is the, this the with first the card? Is this the your draw step card? Yes. Yes. Draw. Draw. If no. Then you have the tree. Then, then boom. Yeah. You go down the tree. Yeah. It's it's totally true. But boy, that card is easy to forget about. Shit. I would also say, like, in addition to you need to know what's going on with your card. Like, I, this isn't necessary. Like, it's not in the rules anywhere. But I would say it's really nice if you're playing weird cards with weird interactions. You know, maybe at an old school event, tell your opponent. Like, if, if you see your opponent just walking into something that there's no combat trick, there's no tricky thing you're doing. It's just it's on just, the board. It's just what's on the board. Yeah. And you're and it's like, clearly they don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. I will occasionally be like, you don't want to do that because this will happen if you do that. Because these weird cards interact in this particular I, way. Yeah, I totally agree. I've always been, I've always been um, in favor of when playing old school, even at a tournament, if it's on the board and your opponent's just running into it, like, I, I let them know. That came up more for your mono green builds, right? Yeah. Because there's just a little bit more combat. There's just lots of, ob bodies. you know, obscure things, you know, but like buffs, you know, Wiluli Wolf and active yeah. buffs to creatures and like factories, you know, it's like if you think my factory is a 4-4, four, four, but with the Wiluli Wolf it could be a 5-5, five, five, yeah. don't attack your Urnum Gen into it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, like, stuff like, stuff like that I think is... For me, like no big. If it's if it's on if it's on the table, then both players should have perfect information, and I don't take any pleasure from my opponent making a mistake when it's just right there in front of their face. That yeah. that, that doesn't do it for me. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of old school uh, tournament etiquette, uh, Lorian, you came up with um, kind of like a like a list of questions or, or or a primer for what to what to expect when you go to. A tournament? That's or, right. Or I gathered gathered some questions from uh, anonymous shit posters all across the <laughs> internet. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Well, about, about, about old school? About do's and don'ts of, uh, of the old school May players' I ball. May I just yeah. ask a quick question before we get into that? Like, how many new people are we expecting at the ball? Oh, that's a great question. It can't be that many. I haven't looked at the list. 
Um, but I mean, there's no. I would not be surprised if it were twenty out of. So we have like ninety rounding up, maybe. Yeah, there? I would. I would. I would. I would. Faces. Uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if like new to a the ball fifth or new to old school. Old school. I would not be surprised if a, if a if a oh, wow. fifth or a sixth. This was for them their their first tournament. Wow. I, w I wouldn't be surprised at all. Hmm. All right. All right, so some of these may be uh, quick, you know, yes, no, but any of you guys want to discuss? Just kind of uh, re re reacting to these things as two grizzled vets. Yeah, right. All right, so the first question is, the old school player's ball takes place at a brewery. Is it okay if I drink alcohol at this event? You know, it's actually it's actually funny because we've, we've talked a bit about this, about like old school and its relationship to alcohol and drinking. And like, I'll, I'll definitely admit that like over over the years, um, like my uh, there there's been like definitely a push pull. Like we we encourage this atmosphere, this this casual atmosphere, and drinking, um, especially holding these tournaments at bars, is kind of is kind of paramount to this um, to this vibe that we want to get across. Mm -hmm. What we do, it's not in convention centers and it's not in stores. It's in local businesses, and it's for the the players and for their yeah. communities. It's for grown ass men, right? And that's the thing. It's yeah. definitely for people who are over twenty one. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, I'd feel really weird playing with you know like a fourteen year old. Yeah. I don't we, know. It's just like so, like yeah. socializing, right? It's just I don't yeah. know. Unless it's somebody's kid, I would love to meet any of your which we did kids. we did it yeah. in uh what was that event it wasn't uh kumite it was the other one somebody brought their kids and they were cool oh, they were, really? they yeah, were yeah, like high school cool. or college age kids they were great yeah. oh that i mean that's fucking fantastic yeah that, that that's an issue aside I'm, I'm talking about like you know yeah some random team like i'm good <laughs> i'm good <laughs> but um like i i'll totally admit i've i've definitely been in a place where I'm going to this tournament to get loaded, and oh, the, yeah. and the and the magic doesn't really matter. Yeah, because we you know we definitely keep that keep that idea. It, we we referenced it clearly where they're like you know with the games there's a little bit of banality. Sometimes the gameplay doesn't really matter, and when that is true and you want to get hammered is also true. You're you know treating these events I found as just a chance to like revisit my college years when yeah. I could just you know throw inhibition to the wind and I had a point myself um, this happened at uh, Eternal Weekend 2017 where I come back from Pittsburgh after this you know blowout weekend oh, yeah. and I get back home and I get to my apartment and I'm like I am like withered away <laughs> like I feel awful like, the, what? the withered wretch yeah. i was yeah. the withered wretch and i was like Dungeon what shade. what was what was i i looked at myself in the mirror and it's like a fucking damien willick <laughs> and i'm just like what am i doing man? Oh, man you know am i am i a fucking magic player who drinks or am i a drinker yeah. who plays magic That's the, and thus was born the rhyme of the ancient meatball right <laughs> and so and like I, I I I got back from that experience, and I think I um, I don't know. Uh, I I took a more mindful effort in how I approach these things. And when with this tournament in in particular, the thing that's important to me first and foremost is being a good host yeah. to the people who bought uh, plane tickets and who drove 
hours and hours in order to get there. Yeah. And when you show up to a party and the dude who invited you there can't even, you know, stand or yeah. converse with you or ask you, you know, how your life is, then they're they're not doing their job. There should be people at the party carousing. There should be people at the party yeah. singing and playing cards and goofing off and all that stuff. But part of the part of being a good host, yeah. you know, you you learn this when you um when you get trained to bartend. You're holding a party for people, but you're not the one participating. In it. You're facilitator. You 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 are you are the facilitator, and so with this tournament in particular, that that's that's how I feel. I think the and you general a different role. yeah the, the general rule of thumb is you don't want to be the drunkest dude in the room, and if you don't know yeah. who the it's like to somewhat paraphrase rounders if you don't know who the drunkest dude in the room is and it's, you're hammered it's probably it's, you, know, yeah. you may think it's cool and that you're having a gas but yeah you're you know there's you're pissing somebody off at some point yeah annoying you know maybe not on purpose but yeah know, it's a powder keg right don't don't be the guy who other people like need to take care of you know, for, for some people, you're going to be in a big room full of people that you haven't met before, a couple drinks in order to, you know, be a little bit more talkative or even, or even more, even just, you know, a good, comfortable drunkenness is, is totally fine. But like I said, I was using these tournaments as an excuse to do something else. And it didn't take very long for me to realize that. And I've since changed my perspective. Another little tidbit is to eat a good breakfast because we're there all day. We're playing eight rounds. And so if, if you know, it's pretty common that people will get a beer per round or every other. So if you're, you know, that'll add up and you know, right. people will order in food, but it's not like there's really good food options at the brewery. If I remember correctly, just there's like popcorn. Yeah. But yeah. There's not. So you, you need a good breakfast to carry you throughout the day. Yeah. And that time and that time to get delivery is... Uh, kind of thin it's like hairy, all, yeah. all the rounds are the same we're not yeah. doing a top eight this year like we did the first year yeah so i don't know i'm, I'm probably gonna bring like a little like bar or something pack a lunch i think i think i'm gonna pack a little lunch i'm gonna be doing it super cheap and sleazy as was my ammo <laughs> That's um, a good idea, yeah. Little, little uh, PB and J. Little PB and J. Little apple. Little banana slices. Gushers. Pack of gushers. Oh, let's do it. Super nineties, shall oh, we? Yeah. Pack of gushers. A uh, Kool Aid cooler. Yeah. Oh, remember the in the like uh, the tall thin cylinders there. Oh All yeah, right, totally. So, that like crack off. Or a Capri time. Sun. A pouch of Capri yes. Sun. Yes. Hey, bring some Capri Sun. Yeah. Bring your Licamade and your and your gushers. Oh, yeah. Just bring a Lunchables. Bring, actually, just, Ooh, that's just your MSG pen. build right there. Oh, dude, can you can you like Ooh, good cut? <laughs> oh yeah, ba hey, band on the run just came. Yeah, out I know we don't normally like to talk about the tunes, but that one, that one got me. Well, it's uh, it's 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 dear to your heart. You've Very been, near. You've been, near. You've, been, you've, been, you've been jamming on it. Okay, maybe next question. All right, yeah, <laughs> men on the run. So I think this question <laughs> came from uh, 4chan. <laughs> no, perfect. So, so let's say I'm a spiky, slimy, salty angle shooter who's both a sore loser and a sore winner. Low grade. <laughs> I get no joy out of life, and I hate everyone. Is the old school player's ball the right event for me? That's interesting. I wonder. I wonder if this is like a uh, a susceptible person that we could like corrupt and bring over to the dark side. Because if you're, I mean, if obviously if you're just like. A horrible shitty person then like we're good but maybe it's like you're so 
I think a lot of the times people's behavior is informed by the community that you're in. Hmm. So when you go to a tournament and that type of behavior is not encouraged, but even allowed, you act that way because that's what other people are doing. So nature versus nurture. Exactly. Or wait a minute, this is the other way around. I forget, but nurture, it would be nurture. Nurture versus nature, yeah, yeah. thank you. Sure. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're describing a person who's not having a good time at the, you know, competitive rules enforcement level, then, you know, shit, maybe, maybe cracking a beer and, you know, socializing and, and meeting people may be the thing for you. Like, you should never spend your free time doing things that you don't like, you know? Like, if you're ever unhappy, like, I mean, we all get, like, a little bit fired up when we lose. Like, I, I complain all the time. Sure, sure. But... Yeah, you can have a... You can have your moment. You can yeah. have a moment. Yeah. You can, you can allow yourself a moment of frustration. That is totally fine. And anyone who's played the game for a while should understand that. But, like, dude, we all have to go to work. And work sucks. Yeah. So, like, your free time should give you, like so much joy and yeah. pleasure to make up for all the fucking banality and the hours you spend punching in. You know? So, we're, you know, give, give it a shot, 4chan guy. Or don't. Maybe I don't want to meet you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, next question from Twitter. Is it okay for me to play a spiky deck and try to win the old school player's ball? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. It's, 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 it's unavoidable. Like, I think the... I think, um... In the course of a tournament, everyone winds up where they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right I mean, if you play the deck and go 0-4, and, and then in the fifth round I have to play against you, I'm like, well, Jesus, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, if you're going to play the deck, at least win your first four rounds, please. Don't don't wind up in the loser's bracket, if you don't mind. But um, the, the, the point is, is that, like, the people, ideally who are concerned with with doing well are, are going to find each other, play against each other, and have competitive games of magic. And that's something that I have been trying to learn and come to peace with is the different ways that people have fun oh, yeah. playing the game. And Matt Sperling on Mano's podcast really um, illuminated that to me. Because uh, he is a, I got I got a chance to meet him in Pescadero. Really sweet dude. Um, but he's a he's a professional magic player, and so he he made this um, appeal to the more casual players to um, like let's have everybody meet in the middle a little bit. You know, the two of them were cut, were were talking about this in the context of cutting somebody's deck, um, like. It's, it's, you know, kind of accepted in the old school culture that, like, not cutting somebody's deck when it's presented to you is this way of saying, oh, it's casual, nobody nobody really cares. Whereas for, for a player who's played competitively, cutting somebody's deck is, is it's, it's not like a, a prevention against cheating. I think we all assume that our opponent isn't cheating for the most part. It's just part of the ritual. It's, it's, part, it's exactly that. It's, it's part of the ritual. It's like... I shuffle and I cut and it's and it's what we do because it's part of the yeah. of the of the steps that go before before playing the game. Absolutely. So, um, a, a casual player getting offended by that 
is an example of the two parties not really meeting in the in the middle. Yeah. If your if your opponent cuts your old school deck, and I, some people are kind of weird about like having their cards shuffled. I, you know, I I I guess I wouldn't like shuffle my opponent. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. What what do, you, what, what do you think? I've done it before. I've, like, I've had it done to me. I've, sh I've shuffled people's cards. It's like no big deal. If you can shuffle your cards without destroying them, surely you can shuffle somebody else's. Yeah. I like right? I like the ritual. I like shuffling one or two shuffles and then a cut. And honestly, like that's it's not necessarily that I think that my opponent is cheating, but actually it helps them have a more random deck, right? Yeah. You shuffle a couple times. Yeah. I do, ideally, it's just cr like creating a more fair and reasonable game yeah so and so the the reason i thought the sperling conversation was interesting is he he helped me understand that there is because i'm i'm coming from the i'm coming from the side of like um creativity and community building i'm not i'm not a very spiky player though everyone enjoys to win um but i uh i've definitely spent time Admittedly, like looking down on the people who only concern themselves with building the best deck and winning the tournament, because in my eyes, I've thought, well, you know, you don't really get it. It's not about winning. Well, to some people, just that tournament, while while you're there for those eight hours, it it can be, and that's and that's okay. Especially if you travel from out of town, that's kind right. of right. Or do, or don't get a chance to play that often, yeah. or really, really for really for any reason, it 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 doesn't matter, and. I've I've come I've I've, I've and I'm still working on it. Admittedly, like coming coming to peace with with the different ways of 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 enjoying. So it's okay for me to play Mossatog again, or what? Honestly, like yeah, like <laughs> oh, I, I do. Got it. I'm I do. This on record here. <laughs> I do. But here's here's the addendum for me at least. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> if, if you play the deck, if you play a tug, if you play Counterburn, if you play some really spiky deck, and you get top eight. Just expect for people to boo you. Oh, absolutely! Like, and that's, that's the best and, part. And that's, its not like a mean-spirited boo either. It's just like a oh fuck you. You're yeah. playing. You're playing. You're the, the heel. If you're if if you're yes. if you are playing the deck, you are the heel. You're the villain. Yes. So so right. Which acknowledge is, which is what, that you're playing the you know that that role. That's that's a narrative that people are ascribing to, and it's and it's enjoyable. Yeah, that's what Matt Slack did. When he started playing the deck, he basically said, all right, I'm Darth Vader now. Yeah. Come and get it. Like, totally. If you're facing me, you're going to be facing the deck. Right. The boos are the best. The boos, the boos are so good. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just part of the, part of the culture. And it's, and it's good nature. Like it is, even with the best deck, it's hard to win or top eight an old school tournament. Like you should, you should feel, you should feel good about it's that. point of pride. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. It's 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 not my thing, and, what, what, and I know uh, that. What are our top, say, five or so, six, whatever, spikiest decks? Well, the deck, I think, has been and always will be the best by a decent margin. The deck, the ATOG deck, some iteration of an ATOG deck. A wor a work, an aggressive workshop Workshops, deck. Yeah. Counterburn, uh, and red yeah just uh, trolls nah no i mean we're getting down into mono black the I mean, spiky i mean maybe so like what about this cross zone between mono black being spiky and um you know budget friendly or someone that's you know inexperienced or whatever you, you know what i mean yeah i think i think mono black like pound for pound is the best deck in old school it's not the best deck 
but considering how little it costs to build, yeah. it's the spikiest budget deck that you can have. Him to Torak is super unfair, and I'm not saying that disparagingly. Yeah. It's just like, it, you know, it can fuck you up. Uh, so yeah. it makes cards like Time Walk and Ancestral Recall matter less because you can just totally bone somebody yes. out of him. Yeah. So I I think maybe Mono Black is in that top. Uh, but Certainly it, top 10. Yeah. Right. Sure. But like you look at that Mono but Black not, deck. You don't think of it as spiky, right? In, in like the derisive way of like, oh, that guy's a spike, right? Well, any, 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 any spiky deck probably has the power nine in it, right? Any tr any truly spiky top deck. Because you could just add like bolts and blue power to that mono black deck and it would be much better, right? Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's, that's an interesting you just point. Play, you just play racks, hymns, and strips, and you can just play like a bunch of other great cards. Yeah, I might have to hit up my binder after this. Racks, racks, hymns, strips. You, you don't even necessarily need to play like hippies or black knights or any of that stuff. You can just play like better creatures. You can play like sedge troll or lightning bolt or I, I mean I don't know sushi mm. or I mean we got I mean, some live brewing going on just, right now. I'm just spitballing here, but <laughs> like you could you could just jam good cards and bet like better cards than the mono black cards that deck. It'd be fine. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah, like. You know, if 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 you play if you play the best decks, then you know, assume assume you know, like that you are a villain in a in a in a good natured way. Um, and for fuck's sake, don't lose your first four rounds. So <laughs> the fucking people who are playing like Cabal Ghoul have to play against you. Give yeah. me a fucking break. The, the ghoul stuck behind me. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, the ghoul stuck behind a moat. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. For fuck's sake, if you're going to play the deck, win some games. Jesus. Anyway, what else does yeah. Reddit say? La last question, last question. Uh, at a joyless... This is kind of a longer question, too. At a joyless grindfest events... <laughs> I like this. That are, ...that are sanctioned, players are allowed to behave like human scum, so long as that behavior isn't technically against the rules. A few examples are... Hiring a third party to scout decks at the top tables... Angle shooting an opponent into making a mistake they wouldn't otherwise have made. <laughs> and trying to get an opponent disqualified for an obscure rules violation that you walk them into. All of these examples point to a system that encourages obeying the letter of the law as opposed to the spirit of the law. Mm. Old school events hosted by the Lords of the Pit seem to place much more value on the spirit of the law. So what can you tell us about the spirit of the law that governs events hosted by the Lords of the Pit? Interesting. Um, well, we, we touched on this previously. Like my, my rule is if it's on board, if it's on, if it's like visible information, then like take, take back the, take back the attack or take back the play. If it's what if it's a misplay by a seasoned player, I would ball on it. If it's like somebody that's less experienced, you might use it as a teaching moment. But like, if you make, if you attack with an Ernie and I have you know, two factory and a wily wolf. I'm gonna crush your Ernie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think maybe that's where the spirit I, comes in yeah, a little bit. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like it's a case by case basis. There's no hard and fast rules. Yeah. And like, I you know, I I guess I would look down on somebody a little bit if I just saw them just crushing newbies all day long by rules that you know it's just like oh yeah. I didn't I didn't quite understand how mission like factory blocks, yeah. dude. If you're playing the deck at an old school tournament. And you let somebody attack their savannah lions into your Mishra's factory, give me a break. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Someone who does that clearly thought that the two would trade. Like, 
don't, don't. That, that's that's like a letter of the law that does not need to be upheld. In 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 my opinion. Yeah. Like. Unless it's your lions and my factory. Oh, <laughs> dude, I happily crush it. Oh, dude, I, I'm 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 going for my draw step when my when your abyss is on the stack. I'm just going straight yeah. past. Draw return. No, we're <laughs> but well, the, the point is, is that like when you're when you're playing against someone at an old school tournament that you've never met before, like that's a potential pal. Yeah. You want you want them to have a good time. You should not you should not want to win more than you want your opponent to have a good time. And that is that's kind of like a, a, a spirit of the law type thing. Nobody is worth nobody in this community, because it's it's small enough, is worth just bulldozering past on your way to the yeah. to the top. You're gonna say something else? Well meet friends, not meet opponents. Yes. You know. Meet meet like meet like a potential friend that you haven't met yet. So your so your behavior um in the game is going to have that that's like your opponent's first impression of you so you so your behavior in the game is going to be what what they think of you in that moment so if you show them a good time or if you are if you are lenient and still and still beat them or play play really tight then um that's going to go that's going to go toward forming forming a bond and forming a relationship which is what you should be in this to do, and represent your crew well too. Right. If you're if you're if you're there on behalf of like, you know, who whoever it is that you come from, lords of the pit, like, it's 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 expected. Like any any one person's behavior, which is why I think that um, we've we've encouraged this like crew style mentality because it brings everybody up. With with a community comes a code of conduct and a and a series of ethics, and everyone who wears the patch is accountable to that. So you can expect something from the same thing from one lord that you can yeah, you for, be able for, to, for yeah. any other. And I think that um, that type of community building is what is what creates a culture that um, that separates old school from. Uh, Whatever it is that that person that first sentence on <laughs> the that. joyless grind the joyless grind face oh boy that was really fun and, and then from the other side you know from the visitor side you know when we went to Pescadero the beasts as a unit took care of us oh they they were masters hosts, right so, at masters um, you know it all yeah it all, yeah it is it's all it's all reciprocal and if you don't have a crew maybe you could and your shitty behavior. Is going to get around. Like that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. uh, I would not call us rumor mongers, but like everybody knows what everybody else does. Yeah. So if you act like a shithead, you may not get invited to be a part of a club that you might otherwise be a part of. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Take care of your people. It's um. It's it's like like rule rules lawyering lawyering. Is is just not worth it in the context of old school and what we're trying to do. Because you may win the game, or in the case of uh, of one particular figure, you may win the entire tournament, but you'll lose the game of life. The community. Yeah. yeah. Win the battle, lose the war. Yeah. You'll 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 lose the you'll lose the war. You'll lose the war like our like our cop rat boy. Alright. Who will remain unnamed. Um but anyway. Yeah, that'll 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 do it for uh, for one of our you know 
maybe 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 a couple more lead up episodes to the to the ball. We just can't help but like sitting down and talking more about this thing because we're all clearly excited. Oh yeah, it's, I'm, uh, I'm it's number three. Super I'm, jazzed. Oh, I'm 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 ripped. I got Dom staying with me on on Thursday night. We're gonna listen to the new Tool album at, at midnight when it comes out. Well, it's gonna start on Wednesday. Record shopping, then Dom on Thursday, and then, then and then Dom and then D Man coming in on Friday, and right? Like, and then Sunday's vintage, right? With restricted carm, so Bob's net deck list <laughs> will be nerfed a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm sure, sure he'll come up with a new. Yeah, net I'm deck sure he'll list. he'll find something suitable to copy. Bob's not here to defend himself, so we'll rip him mercilessly. <laughs> Just <laughs> absolutely shut him. Not that he would have any way of refuting that, even if he were sitting yeah, that's here. True. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks again for listening, guys. Lords out.